0: Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, we're going to recap the Memphis Grizzlies loss in which there's not much to talk about because really nothing went well. For Oklahoma City, this is a bonus show, so it might be a little bit shorter than normal, but I did want to get on here and recap this game and preview the Wishers game and not save it all for Monday because in that case, that'd be three different games to talk about by Monday. So uh, let's just dive into it right here. Uh, let's start with the game overview. Stephen Adams was out in this game with that injury he suffered uh, against the Lakers. Then Schroeder was out in this game, uh, of course with the birth of his child. Mike Muscala was out in concussion protocol, and then Terrence Ferguson was active, but he did not play until the end of the fourth quarter. Steven Adams is listed as day-to-day. It sounds like he'll be ready to go for at least one of these games in the upcoming back-to-back whenever you play on Sunday morning and Monday afternoon, but He was not available in this one. So you're missing two of your best players on the roster entering this game. Memphis was without, of course, Jaron Jackson Jr., I would say, their second best player on the roster. And then they were 0-4 coming into tonight, battling for their playoff lives. Uh, They came in with a firm grasp on that eighth seed, and then the NBA threw at them these random scenarios of uh, one team, if they were within four games, gets a play-in series, and uh, Memphis did not help themselves by going 0-4, although they were given – the toughest schedule inside the bubble. So you look at this game, and it was a, a lot for Memphis. They, they needed this game. They, they really did. Uh, but Oklahoma City, of course, has they don't have their playoff situation figured out either. Now, at least that Oklahoma City knows they're going to be in the playoffs, but they can play anyone from the Clippers to the Jazz, and that's a big spectrum there. You, you can play the second-best team in the league, Or you can play who everyone considers the worst team in the West, in Utah. So uh, it's a wide range of things that can happen for Oklahoma City. So they needed this game equally as bad as Memphis did. And Oklahoma City comes out firing. Uh, At one time, they lead by 18 points in that first quarter. Lou Dort was huge. And he's really the only bright spot to talk about here with Oklahoma City. Because yet again, he shows that he's not the typical defending wing for Oklahoma City. He's not the typical guard who can defend but not shoot. He goes through these spurts of shooting, and I know that it's not consistent. I know that in a perfect world, uh, you would prefer him to be able to do four for five from three a lot more consistently. However, he's one of the only ones that can do it. I mean, Tybo Cephalosha could get, could get hot a little bit from three-point land, but so can Lou Dort now. And if he can add that and continue to grow that uh, throughout his career here, it's still year one uh, for an undrafted rookie. If he can continue to grow that, that's going to be something very uh, fun to watch in Oklahoma City for a long, long time. He gets 16 points tonight, uh, goes 4-5 for five from three, 66% from the field, 80% from three-point land, three rebounds, two assists, a steal, and he was just a frustrating defender yet again. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies were sick and tired of Lou Dort by the end of this game. Uh, Lou Dort just played a fantastic game, and, and really he reminds me a lot of Nick Collison. Uh, only in a guard's body. Now, granted, he is a tank, so if if he said he can go defend a four, I would believe him. Uh, But Lou Dort just does everything right on the floor. He hustles. uh, He he frustrates opponents. All of the dirty work and a lot of stuff that does not show up in the stat sheet is what he does. That's exactly what Nick Collison provided you for for all those years. If Lou Dort can do that for a stretch of time here and do it consistently, it's going to be very fun to watch in Oklahoma City. That effort is infectious, and it really – as we've seen with Nick Collison, makes a whole community and an organization rally around you. Lou Dort was phenomenal in this game, and he was a big part of why that lead for Oklahoma City was once 18 points. And then Kevin Hervey gets first quarter minutes in this game due to not having Steven Adams. You know, that was good to see for everyone who has watched Summer League and has watched Oklahoma City Summer League basketball, which – Admittedly, not having a high pick hasn't been that entertaining, but one of the bright spots was always Kevin Hervey and how well he's performed in the last three years at Summer League. Uh, gets into this game, does not do a whole lot. Minus eight in the plus minus. Gets two points on one of four shooting from the field. over three from three-point land. A couple of rebounds to his name as well. Uh, just good to see him finally uh, get some meaningful NBA minutes, although, uh, again, it didn't really matter in the end. But still, Kevin Hervey did get in this game in the first quarter. Hamidou uh, Diallo, another wild-card game from him. I mean, he plays 22 minutes, and in those 22 minutes, he gets you seven points. Uh, he gets you eight rebounds, two assists, and took a couple of steals as well. And, and he was just an energizer. He, he really was an energy giver in this game. Same thing with Dort. When he was in the game, he was trying to, to spark a comeback. He was trying to spark the offense. He was trying to spark the defense. He was trying to provide a spark. Uh, and, and the more consistently he does that, Uh, the better this team is. The only thing negative about his game was the shooting. He had an efficient game uh, the other night against the Lakers. Tonight, he goes out there and gives you seven points on three of 11 shooting. And that's where a lot of Thunder fans kind of turn off from Hamadou Diallo uh, because he's not consistently efficient on offense. I understand that, but I do think that he does provide you more than the alternatives on the wing. I mean, I think that he provides you more than Terrence Ferguson, uh, than Abdul Nader, than Mike Muscala. I mean, we talk about Abdul Nader, and, and yes, technically, he's a he's a more pure shooter. He also goes through dry spells. I mean, in this game, he's one for seven from the field, zero for three from deep. He's not not a shooter. He's not Seth Curry. We we talk about Abdul Nader uh, like he's some elite shooter. Uh, he's a good shooter off the bench, but. If all he is is a good shooter and then he goes 0 for 0 for 3 from the field, 0 for 3 from 3, and 1 for 7 from the field, I'd much rather have a 3 for 11 guy in Himadou Diallo who also provides a spark for you and gets you 8 rebounds, 4 on each side, and a couple steals, and plays great defense and is one of the best shot disruptors in the NBA, according to basketball reference. So I'd much rather have that for 22 minutes than Abdel Nader if he's not making his shots. And Abdel Nader tonight was not making his shots, and he played 13 minutes. So Diallo, I think this can qualify as an average game for him or maybe an above-average game. I do understand the concerns about the scoring and about his lack of efficiency, but I think that he did a lot to outweigh that, and I think that that kind of drags him up uh, above that average line for me. Uh, Darius Baisley gets five quick points in this one. He finishes with 12 points, and again, no one shot efficiently tonight at all, but it was good to see Baisley still comfortable on the basketball floor uh, after what he went through against the Lakers. I mean, he played an atrocious game against the Lakers on the box score. We mentioned all the things that he did well uh, and and him always making the right basketball play. He did that again tonight and it just so happened to result in 12 points tonight uh, with four rebounds and two assists and a block as well on defense. I I like Darius Basie a lot, but he's obviously not ready for the big stage, not ready for the NBA level yet. uh, And it's, juxtaposed in this game with Brennan Clark, who you traded away in this last draft for Darius Baisley. He gets you 12 points on 100% shooting from the field, eight rebounds, uh, and a couple of good defensive plays there in 20 minutes of action. So you really saw it on display here, uh, these two guys going head-to-head. But I would not let this game deter you from Baisley or, or make you feel like the Thunder lost this pick, lost this trade by any means. The Thunder knew this was a project. Look, Brandon, Brandon Clark spent three or four years in college. Darius Baisley spent last year, which would have been his freshman year in college, as an intern at New Balance. Of course, whenever you draft someone like that who doesn't play college ball, who doesn't even play uh, competitive basketball for an entire year, of course he's going to be behind the eight ball from Brandon Clark, who is 23 years old. I mean, that, that that should be pretty obvious to everyone watching. And the gap isn't that wide. Right now, if I had to win a game tomorrow, of course I'm taking Brandon Clark. But the gap is not that wide already. And we have to remember this is the first time Baisley has played true competitive basketball since high school. Because he went and did the New Balance internship. So uh, don't don't act like the Thunder have lost that trade just based off tonight. Or even based off this entire year for Brandon Clark. Heck of a rookie year for Brandon Clark. But whenever you're 23, I would expect that. I would expect a rookie at 23 years old who played at a program like Gonzaga to come into the league and be a serviceable player. He has not been elite. He has not been great. He has not been a borderline all-star. He hasn't even been a starting a starting caliber player in this league. He's been a decent role player in this league as a 23-year-old. That's fine. I think Baisley has a much higher ceiling than that. And I'll take Baisley over Brendan Clark. For the long haul, again, for tomorrow, uh, even for this playoff run here, I would take Brendan Clark. But in the future, I'm still on team Baisley in this one. So in the first quarter, the Thunder led by 18 points. They finished the quarter up 37-25, and then they lost this game 121-92 to give Memphis their first win in the bubble. Oklahoma City their second loss. In the bubble. And after the break, we're going to talk about that second quarter where things really started to go bad for Oklahoma City. In the second quarter, the Thunder offense was ice cold in this one. The offense scored three points in the first six minutes. That was pretty much the nail in the coffin for Oklahoma City, although they did make a run at the end of the second quarter when Chris Paul had a miraculous steal after Gallinari 3 to score six points in the final five seconds to pull the Thunder within three, and then they came out in the third quarter with absolutely no energy and no effort. And the same thing happened the second quarter. The second quarter and on, this team had no energy, no life, no effort, even after leading by 18 points. And it was kind of the reversal of my game preview, saying that, look, if, if the Thunder can get up by 18 points and get up by 20 points and can blow this game out in the first quarter, the Memphis Grizzlies might just quit and might just give up. It was actually the other way around. Oklahoma City got up by 20 points, then they're the one that gives up, and they're the one uh, that just quits quits fighting in this game. And I really don't know how after Chris Paul gets that steal at the end of the half and puts up six points in four seconds like Reggie Miller, how you come out flat in the third quarter, but they did, and then ended up getting them blown out in this contest and again the Thunder were without Stephen Adams uh, and they ran a ton of five out offense which would have been good that they got some good looks out of that five out offense but no one could hit a shot after the first quarter no one could hit a shot and that was really all she wrote and speaking of Stephen Adams I do want to talk about New Orleans Noel who of course was the fill-in uh, for Adams and you know I've been really high on Nurless Noel I think that you know the hot dog gate in Dallas and what he went through in Philadelphia, uh, kind of gets overblown a little bit and, and creates a reputation around the league for him. Uh, but honestly, I think that, I think that I've got to back off uh, the stance of he could be a starting center in this league. I don't think he can be a starting center uh, unless it's a tanking team. I really don't. Uh, watching him tonight uh, against Jonas Valanciunas, who is a, a good center, but but he's not a world beater. Uh, Noel plays 26 minutes, goes for 11 points on 66% shooting from the floor with a turnover. He mishandled a ton of passes uh, that were just atrocious. When you can't catch the basketball as a center, you're not going to fit in in the NBA that long, especially not playing uh, elongated minutes in the NBA. I think that Nelson Well is better in spurts, and especially when those spurts are coming against backup big men in the NBA. So maybe he's not the starting center that I thought he was. Uh, And again, I only thought he could be a starting center on a losing team. Uh, But at this point, uh, maybe a tanking team would be where New Noel should be starting at. It's only one game, uh, but still, just not being able to catch the basketball, over-pursuing on defense. It's been things that have plagued him his whole career, and it continued to do that again tonight. Uh, but I did like Darius Baisley at that center spot. He's not ready to take that on this season. Uh, th- that's really just out of necessity without having Adams. But I do think that in an offseason or two, when he puts on more muscle and fills out his body more, Maybe Darius Baisley can be a modern-day big man or at least play it in certain spurts the same way Jeremy Grant did because you see how good his playmaking is, and you see offenses now trending back to running a lot of sets and running a lot of um, you know motions and actions through the post. And if you get Baisley at that elbow and, and dump it off to him, he can have some beautiful, beautiful dimes with his ability to see the floor and his ability to make some passes. I like Baisley playing that five spot. He has the length uh, to defend most centers. Obviously, he'd get destroyed uh, against a typical center, but we don't have very many typical centers anymore in this league. And if he adds a lot of good muscle this offseason and even going into the following offseason, then he can really fill out that body and, and go in, play that center position, which Billy Donovan has talked about wanting him to do moving forward. And, and we got a glimpse of that today. And I like the limited action he got at center. Uh, playing alongside Gallinari, it really opens up the offensive guys were hitting shots Obviously, today they weren't, uh, but I, I do think that that's not something uh, to scoff at when Billy Diamond talks about the ability to play center on Darius Baisley. Of course, he still needs some off seasons to get into uh, that kind of shape and, and get into that kind of uh, play style, but it is something that's possible. Uh, and in this game, the Thunder were dreadful. I mean, the second half, there was no spark. Noel couldn't catch a basketball. They played Deontay Burton uh, in non-carbage time minutes, which led to garbage time minutes, Uh, they were once down 95, to 78 in that third quarter, they were shooting 38% from the floor, 36% from three, 73% from the free throw line in that third quarter. It was just atrocious. Uh, And, you know, you're going to have games like that. You're going to have games where you cannot get started and they finish the game 35% from the floor and 30% from the free throw from the three point line. But the big story here to me, the big question mark is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Did he hit a wall this season? A lot of us believed he was going to come back and and, uh, after the layoff. With him playing basketball as much as he did throughout quarantine, he was going to come back and he was going to be uh, a preview of what year three has in store for him. Whenever guys make a lot of leaps in their career, uh, year three is typically that year to do that. And it just has not happened for him yet. He's had one good quarter in three seeding games. He's had one good quarter. That was the fourth quarter against Denver tonight. He gets you 10 points on 23% shooting from the field and 12% from beyond the arc. Three turnovers in this one, a minus nine in the plus minus. Shea was terrible. Shea was awful tonight. All of his shots were short. You have to wonder now if there's an injury there or if there's something bothering him. You see him wearing that leg sleeve. You wonder if something is up with Shea because uh, throughout this bubble period with, with the three seeding games, all of his shots have been short. He's lacked, uh, he's lacked an ability. He's lacked the quickness about him in the seating games that he did not lack in the, in the exhibition slate. So maybe he got banged up in that exhibition slate. He's lacked an intensity on his drives. He's lacked pretty much every aspect of his game in these seating games. So I wonder what's happening and if we're going to find out uh, pretty soon that he's injured because he has just looked atrocious and he's looked worse than he ever has in his NBA career. I mean, So I, I do wonder what's plugging Shea, and if, if he cannot turn this around against the Wizards, if he cannot have a breakout game on Sunday morning, then there is a much larger conversation we need to have about Monday, uh, about reassessing what this team can be. And I get it. You don't have Dennis Schroeder. I get it. You don't have Steven Adams uh, who can kind of take the burden off of a young guard like Shea in the pick and roll game with Adams and then having another ball hanging on the floor with Dennis. But th- this this was atrocious tonight from Shea. And, and that was the first time – in an Oklahoma City uniform, that you can look at Shea and call him atrocious. And that was atrocious. The bet of the day was Thunder minus five and a half. I obviously lost that bet, and now it's time for the MVP. MVP, MVP. MVP right now. You the real MVP. MVP, MVP. The MVP of this game has to be Lou Dort. He was the only Thunder player that you can really speak positively about. We all know what Lou Dort can do defensively, and he was fantastic on that defensive end. But offensively, he really brought it tonight, scoring 16 points. That's your second leading score behind Chris Paul, going 66% from the field and 80% from beyond the arc. He was awesome. He was a spark plug offensively. He was really uh, the main piece in getting you that 18-point lead that you eventually let slip away. Lou Dort was awesome in this game, and he is your MVP of tonight's contest. There isn't really a true Andrew Wiggins of this game, but if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with Dylan Brooks just because he's annoying. He's an annoying player, so I'm just going to give it to Dylan Brooks, but he really did have a good game against Oklahoma City. Uh, 26 points in this one, 50% from the three-point line, 55% from the field. Uh, Also got you four assists and six rebounds for Memphis. He was an annoying player. He had a lot of frustrating antics. The the hip check on Lou Dort, pushing Noel on the back, just a lot of things uh, that really frustrate opponents, and and it was really fun watching Lou Dort and and Brooks go at it as two guys who really are just agitators on the floor, and they both played that role perfectly. Uh, Now, the three big things from this contest. Number one, the Thunder still can't shoot. Uh, You thought in that first quarter when they lit it up from beyond the arc. Seven for 11, I believe they started from three-point land. You thought maybe, hey, they're going to turn it around after I just got done talking about how the, the three-point performances from the exhibition slate was fool's gold. They're going to turn it around in this game. They did not. They most certainly did not turn it around in this game. I saw some bold takes out there on Twitter, and some of them found their way into my mentions about, well, the Thunder just shouldn't have started hot from three. It created them uh, to, to just start jacking three-pointers. No, I mean, I never thought that the Thunder were just jacking up threes. There were certain times, uh, Kevin Hervey had a moment where he just went right down the floor uh, after a rebound and immediately shot a three before any Thunder player was back there to get a rebound. That was a a jacked-up shot. Uh, But other than that, they really were just within the flow of the offense, and they just didn't make anything from beyond the arc. I don't think the hot start really affected what happened moving forward in this game. Uh, Number two, as we mentioned, Shea has to be good. You can't miss Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder, and Shea. And although Shea played, his production was like he wasn't on the floor. Uh, He was unrecognizable on the floor. He didn't make any impact on this game in a positive way for Oklahoma City. He's got to be better. You you have to be better. You can't be down Dennis and Shea. The strength of this team was that three-guard lineup with Shea, uh, Paul, and Dennis. You can't be down two of those guys. You just simply can't do that. And then Nelson Noel, as I mentioned, I, I, I need to back off of that take of he can be a starter in this league. Uh, it, it, he really did not look that way tonight. The Thunder had 10 turnovers in this one, most of which came uh, in the second half after the game was well in hand for Memphis, and the, the, the Thunder really just truly gave up on this game. Uh, so that was kind of encouraging for Oklahoma City. Still to come, we're going to preview quickly the game Sunday morning against Washington. So the big thing to know in this game against Washington is that it's an 11 a.m. tip-off. So wake up early on Sunday morning. Get all the coffee you need uh, because this game starts at 11.30. You can watch it on Fox Sports Oklahoma. It's not nationally televised anywhere. So if you don't have Fox Sports Oklahoma, you'll need to get NBA League Pass Uh, But it is a bright and early game at 11.30 a.m. The Wizards, without Bradley Beal and Davis Bertans, are just dreadful. Uh, They were dreadful with those two guys. They're even worse now inside the bubble. Uh, They have not yet won a game, uh, but they do take on the Pelicans coming up in an hour from right now. The Pelicans in this game will be without Zion Williamson, but they should still be able to take care of the lowly Washington Wizards in this game. Dennis Schroeder still has not re-entered the bubble. Therefore, he will not be able to play in this contest because even if he came back yesterday uh, tomorrow, uh, he still would need to quarantine for four days before he could rejoin the team. Terrence Ferguson played against Memphis, some limited minutes. He's going to be available. We'll see how Billy Donovan works him into the rotation. And it sounds like from Billy Donovan's press conferences that Mike Muscala and Stephen Adams will both be back. On Sunday, Adams was listed as day-to-day and was a precautionary rest day today against Memphis. Uh, it'd be nice to see him play against Washington. Although, if you're going to have to pick between one game or another in this back-to-back slate here to pick for Steven Adams to play in, you're probably going to want to pick uh, Monday against the Red Hot Suns, who are just taking the bubble by storm and trying to f- uh, force their way into a play-in series. So if you do need to pick... One of the two for Adams. I would not be surprised for the Thunder uh, to rest him again on Sunday and play him on Monday, though it sounds like Adams can physically go if need be on Sunday. Uh, what to watch for in this one? Oklahoma City energy levels. They're, they just got beat like a drum. Uh, the Grizzlies once led by 31 points in this game. Uh, they got beat by a drum by Memphis. And, again, for the Thunder, you've clinched a playoffs uh, berth. You really have, but you have – So much more work to do if you want to win a playoff series. If your goal is to win a playoff series, you have a lot more work to do because you cannot risk playing the Clippers. And even the Nuggets is a dice roll, but the only one that's for sure a loss, the only one that you have no hope in winning a playoff series against is the Clippers. You have to avoid losing, uh, dropping far enough to play the Clippers, and you do that by beating teams like the Wizards. So after you got blown out by Memphis, and now you're going to go play a nobody team like Washington, who is just dreadful, how can you get yourself up for an 11.30 a.m. tip? Of course, on Eastern time, they're going to be playing at 12.30, but how can you get yourself up for an early tip-off against a bad basketball team in a game that you really need to win? Can you keep that energy, can you keep that intensity for the length of this game? Because you had energy, you had intensity in this game for a quarter, and then it faded and you just got just destroyed. Can you keep it the entire way on Sunday? And then, the Oklahoma City's ability, again, to control this game against the Wizards. They should blow out the Wizards on paper. They should do to the Wizards what they did against the Lakers and then some. Can the Thunder come out and control this basketball game? And you have to watch Shay, because if Shea has another terrible game against Washington, Monday's show will sound a lot different than any of the other shows that I've hosted. A Monday show will have a much different tone if Shea still looks flat, if Shea still looks bad against a terrible, terrible wizard squad. The keys to the game in this one have to be getting to a flow offensively. That's something they have not been able to do in a couple of nights here, even beating – the Lakers as bad as you did your offense wasn't really flowing uh, and and that's really something that they've struggled with since Dennis left is finding a rhythm and a groove offensively and I know Dennis is a big part of your offense especially that second unit uh, but you're going to have to overcome that and you should be able to get in a flow offensively against the Wizards a bad defensive team one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And then just don't let a random player go off. The Wizards are basically all random players at this point. Uh, They don't have Bradley Beal. They don't have Davis Bertans. Of course, there's no John Wall. Hasn't played at all this year. Uh, They are just built from nothing. Do not let a random player go off. Contain Rui Hachimura. Contain Isaac Bonga, And you'll be fine. Those are really the two guys that they have. I don't want to come on this podcast on Monday morning and have to talk about Ish Smith. Going off for 35 points, contain these random players on the Wizards and get out of this game with a much needed win. So much is on the line for the Thunder, uh, and I don't care about their pick. We talked about that uh, on, well, I guess this earlier show today. We talked about that on the Friday morning show. I don't want to. I don't care about the pick. I care about the matchups and I care about the seating. And right now, you're in a dangerous, dangerous zone. You're playing a dangerous game. Uh, maybe having to play a team like the Clippers. Uh, You need this win. You need most of these wins. And I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet, because at the end of the day, uh, this was my schedule prediction. I mean, I thought they were going to lose to Memphis. Now, I did think they were going to lose to the Lakers and not Denver, but just flip-flop those two games. At this point in the seeding games, I thought they'd have two losses. They do have two losses. So we'll see how this team can go from here. You should be getting Dennis back any time now. He's working out right now uh, while still uh, bringing home the birth of a second child and things like that. Uh, So he should be back pretty soon in the bubble, quarantining and then getting back on the basketball floor. But still – Take care of business against Washington. That's This is the most important thing for this season. Because if you drop this game to Washington, really, the entire playoff picture changes. The entire, the entire outlook of this season changes. So Washington will be a good and a big game at 11.30 a.m. Hopefully, it'll be a blowout game in favor of the Oklahoma City Thunder. The money ball of the day for the Wizards is going to be... Let's go with Shea. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on Shea and hopefully uh, he can prove me right. The money ball bet of the day is whoever will lead the three, the, whoever lead the Thunder in three point shooting uh, tonight's leader in three point shooting against Memphis was Lou Dort with four. I did not pick Lou Dort. I picked Delino Gallinari, uh, but instead Lou Dort goes off from three point land. I'm gonna pick Shea to turn it around completely. He goes one for eight from three against Memphis and looks atrocious. He has to turn it back on against Washington in this game. Uh, Obviously, there's no line score yet for this bet of the game, so to get the bet of the game, you'll have to follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can interact with the show on Gmail, L-O-Thunderpod at gmail.com. At either of those two places, you can send in your questions, comments, concerns, takes, whatever you want me to react to on the show. Uh, Again, at Rylan underscore and then at lothunderpod at gmail.com on the email address. Next week, we'll have shows, of course, Monday through Friday. Uh, Monday, we're going to recap the Wizards game and preview the Phoenix Suns game. It should be fun. We're rolling in the bubble. We're a week away from postseason action. It's going to be a ton of fun to continue to follow uh, this team's ride throughout the postseason. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder.